Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm the host, Eric Acker, with Karen. Hey guys, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> so we are, yes, this is a week of Thanksgiving, and we are going to try to I don't know, we're trying to make this somewhat quick so we can kind of get back to our Thanksgiving festivities and also uh, rest a little bit since we we have some family in town this week. And uh, so but we wanted to go over kind of the new rotation, what what that's been like so far. We're only really two days into it, so not a lot of insight there. Uh, the Thanksgiving festivities and then uh, anything that's new that's kind of changed as far as the the match process has gone, and then of course anything that we can think of along the way, we'll go on those tangents as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the rotation uh, we are start we started on Monday. Um, I guess we'll, we'll rewind a little bit, talk about radiology because we wrapped up the last few days of radiology. I think when the last episode came out it was by uh, I had an interview that I had my um, had my radiology. Uh, final. So, um, Lisa, I'll start with the interview. Interview, I think, went pretty well. Uh, I, I, another one of those programs where you kind of walk in, you're not really so sure that you're 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 gonna be in love with the program, or you you don't I mean, you're just not really sure. You're like, well, maybe this is just another practice interview, you know? Because you you gotta have a little bit of you know, practice here and there to get kind of in the groove. And by now, I've had six, not practice interviews, but <laughs> um, but. I don't know. Sometimes you we, we we apply to places that we know we can live, but not necessarily sure we're going to be in love with living in those locations. So it's kind of a well, we'll live there for at least residency, and we'll kind of take it from there, kind of mentality. And like we know we can afford to live there, uh, and so this particular program was kind of one of those where it's like, eh, we'll apply because you know <laughs> the numbers make sense, and we're we're applying far and wide and we want to match somewhere and so we kind of approached this interview like that and did of course our pre-interview work of looking up the preceptors as much as we could looking at the program and did the interview and I don't know I feel like this is like in like third or fourth time I've done an interview and just been really kind of blown away and surprised by how much I actually liked the faculty members, I like the program director, the program coordinator, like from top to bottom, everyone was super friendly. And uh, I think you're also, I, I'm kind of going through some of these interviews of like, how do you build a pros and cons list <laughs> um, when you just do these interviews and everyone's trying to put the best foot forward? Where do you, how do you find the, how do you find the little bits and pieces that are supposed to be the red flags? How are you supposed to know if the program's malignant or not? Uh, how again and then how are you going to rank this program like at the end of the day like how am I going to rank these programs if I keep finding all the ones that I'm just like man this is another great program another great program this would be a, a really I think I could I could work here I think I could do this and so it, it's definitely tricky <laughs> but it, it was nice to have another interview of a program that 
it's good to have. I guess it's a good problem to have. Uh, yeah, and I know it's not. It's something that other students are coming up against as well, where they because there's no way that you can look into every single program that you apply to super in depth. Like I feel like we did a fairly decent job, but then towards the end it was okay. Well, these are the factors that are most important. This is how we're going to filter them out and apply. And so I know that there are some programs that we applied to that we did not look at the website before we applied. Oh, just not, oh, not very in detail. I mean, right. it's kind of hard because when you're like, we, we talked about IMGs and how we kind of have, we approach things differently. I think there are some students in some special specialties where you don't have to apply to 170 programs to make sure or hope that you get enough interviews that you feel comfortable that you're going to match in. Uh, and we're, we're, of course, in that situation. I think that certainly if you, maybe you had great board scores and you come from a great medical school and you, you know, you, you're going to, to a particular specialty where you don't need to apply, you can only, apply, you only have to apply to 10 and you have your top whatever picked out, then that's, that's really good. You're in a very great situation. And I think, uh, for IMGs, especially what I was advised by my uh, advisor was, um, you know, aim for 100 to 200 programs, apply far and wide. And of course that, you know, you can't, you have to start looking at criteria, quote unquote, for what is going to be passable. What, what, you, you know, what can you do? Like if you get an interview there, can you go? Like if you, if this is the only interview you get this entire cycle, are you, you know, are you going to pass on it or not? And there was definitely like, we keep bringing it up, but like if we got to, you know, if, if we apply to programs in downtown New York city, um, we couldn't, we would, there's no way to afford it. And there was uh, certainly issues as far as I being an IMG status that that can cause going to New York city and other, well, other states as well. That's more our family size than anything else. Right, but this is like you look at it from whatever walk of life you're coming. If you're coming yeah. from a family of uh, us right now, seven, like you know, where how do you find an apartment in New York City <laughs> that can house seven adults comfortably? Not adults, seven seven people comfortably, and then still be able to get to work regularly and not feel like my wife has to stay inside all the time and kids you can't leave for the house because neighborhood's not safe or you know whatever it is and then you know new york and just in general has a high um housing cost so it's like and, and you know and they don't pay you know they're not paying a hundred thousand dollars for us to live there so like how do we make all the ends meet it just doesn't you know the math doesn't work out so we don't apply because if we did apply and we got an interview it's like well we're not even really going to go like, like honestly like uh like it's just not feasible for us to go so why go why do an interview if you just can't even go to begin with yeah but so i know for for us like we had these certain criteria for our other students that we've talked to they've had different criteria but i think they're coming they are getting interviews at places where they're just like well that wasn't really super high on my list and then they come out of the interviews gaining a lot more information than what was available on the website. Uh, Cause some, some websites are far superior than others. Yeah, and, then and, not then, all built equally. <laughs> and then you kind of get a feel for 
like who you'd be working under. Um, and we, everybody knows that the programs are putting their best foot forward. And so, um, you, if you didn't do an away rotation at that program, you, you may not catch everything that you might have to work with or deal with, but it is interesting to see like how different people are rearranging and constantly rearranging what programs they think are better than others and why. And it's just kind of a interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people will get there, you know, after the first two weeks of the match process starting, you get your all your you get a whole bunch of your invites, and so you kind of start lining them up in your head based on perceived prestige of the program or location and a whole bunch of other factors, and you see so you start kind of making your rank order almost right away. Um, but I kind of want to rewind a little bit because we definitely have talked about it, I think, in previous episodes, but I did want to reiterate because we do get, I do get asked this during all my interviews is, you know, why us? Why, why this particular program? And um, I, I wanted to kind of go back over our process of how we pick programs to apply to. Uh, and I mean, I think we've definitely harped on the cost of living. I think I just did that. Yes. But I, I, <laughs> I don't want to say that that was the only, okay, I don't, it's not all about money. I don't really want to make that the thing, but there's a, an obvious uh, pragmatic uh, thing about that. Like, obviously, if you can't, you can't live off of beans and, you know, like ramen soup, you know, that's not a healthy diet for everybody to live off of and in a cardboard box. Like, that's not how you can live and so that that is certainly in the calculus but there's also like what you know we didn't start with necessarily cost of living we started with um like we talked about match a resident and we it, that curated a list of programs that uh looked at my board scores it looked at my img status my citizenship status and basically then try to find programs that matched my profile so uh, programs that were IMG friendly <laughs> that were uh, people who had similar board scores that I did seem to match in these areas so uh, obviously we're looking for <laughs> programs that are of uh, interest to us um, but uh, certainly we're looking for programs that are open to even taking an IMG student so like I'm not going to bust down walls on a program that has taken zero IMG students like I, I don't think I'm all that unique that a program's going to be like yes we've had this long tradition of never taking an IMG student, but this guy, we're going to take this guy. Like, I don't think I'm that special. So <laughs> I wasn't going to bust down walls doing that. And so that's where Match Resident kind of helped kind of steer us in the right direction. I didn't just type in a state onto the ERAS thing and just fill out whatever in every state. Like, I, obviously, like, I wasn't going to... I think with my knowing my board scores, knowing <laughs> my IMG status, I probably wasn't going to get into John Hopkins. I wasn't going to get into Columbia. There are IMG students who do get into those locations. Don't get me wrong, but not with my board scores. Uh, so, and uh, we did deviate a little bit, but we deviated with like programs that we knew other students from our school had gotten into those programs, um, and even though they weren't curated for us on match resident, we still ha- took a shot in the dark. And I mean, one of them paid off. 
Yeah. We did get an we, interview we, at sig- one. we signaled that one and that one paid off pretty well. So far, I mean, we haven't interviewed there yet, but um, we that got is, an interview that in the was first round. Definitely one that we are interested in and we're we're kind of you know all, we're excited for all interviews at this point. We can't be picky. Uh, I think any of the ones that we have on our list, I would be pretty happy to match. And I'd be happy to match. Period. I would be happy to match any of these these ones. But I mean, we we, we went down the list from match a resident, mm-hmm. uh, the ones that they thought we were really good fits for, and then, you know, I worked our ways down to the, I think mid high 70% matches mm-hmm. uh, but even then we skipped programs in locations that uh, and again it wasn't just we can't live in New York City it was well we don't have any family or anybody in this area we're not even you know, geographically this doesn't make any sense for us um, so we picked a lot of some programs or some regions to really focus in on and be like, yeah, we really want to be in these geographical reason, regions because of family or uh, other, you know, other connections we might have to the area. So like Karen mentioned, or other students that we were friends with have gone to this, has gone to this program. So we would like to, if, you know, it's possible, we could follow in their footsteps. That would be an opportunity for us, uh, you know, one possible pathway. So we picked some programs in those areas. Uh, and we skipped over others, <laughs> like we we skipped over a lot of California, and that was mostly because like I don't really have any real connection to California, and I don't think Karen really has much of a connection to California anymore either. So it's like, well, we could move there, but we would be even further from family. Like, and family is such an important part of our kids' lives, and it would be nice to be able to have the kids be able to visit grandparents, aunts, and uncles. So. You know, if someone asked me, like, oh, why do you want to move to California? I, you know, I can certainly talk about the lovely climate and the beaches and the outdoor stuff. But it's like, but at the end of the day, like, a lot of things that my application was really focused on was family and how much that meant to us, um, among other things that were part of my application. So I, I didn't, I don't know. I, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, it was IMG friendliness. <laughs> it was geographics. And then there was also cost of living. Like it wasn't purely, you know, how much does this program pay us or what's the benefits? We certainly marked some of that stuff down because that is, uh, you know, noteworthy. Obviously, if this is a job and any job opportunity you are entertaining, you should at least look at some of the benefits and be aware, (laughs) you know, like, okay, are they paying for your health benefits or are you contributing into it? Because that also goes to talk about your cost of living like if you have to contribute uh, let's say two hundred dollars a paycheck to your health insurance well that's going to cut a little bit into your salary quite a bit into your salary so whatever that salary number is it's quite a bit less than what you think it is um and then of course uh, again it's not all about money obviously we're going to residencies to train to learn as much as we can to work very hard and at the end of it um you know get our board certifications and go and find jobs yeah and well and on top of one thing that you haven't mentioned yet is um fellowship so that was another oh, high true. point Thank for you. what we were looking at is um how many of them how many of the because on um the eras uh, explorer tool you c- it shows you at the they have graphs at the bottom and so it'll show you 
like what percentage went on to just work in this field? What percentage went on to fellowship? What percentage? Academics. Yeah, academics or whatever. And so you can kind of look and see, okay, well, this program has a great history of churning out um, people that match into fellowships or this program has a fellowship. So maybe there's a, in, in these different, um, specialties. And so maybe it might be easier to match there. So like this interview that Eric had the other day, they have a cardiology fellowship, which Eric is interested in. And they have like two fellows. It's two fellows a year that they take on. And they take one from They generally will take one from the program. So, I mean, that narrows your pool down from however many... Class of six students (laughs) every year that are graduating. To, to like, like your whole pool of people that are applying for cardio fellowships, right? So, that's something to think about, right? And not, and to be fair, like, we... We're kind of going in with... We're trying to go in with as as eyes open as possible. There was... We've heard two different schools of thought when it comes to fellowship and it's something worth keeping in the back of your mind. And I think both schools of thought are true depending on the program. So one school of thought is you want to go to a program that has a fellowship because if they select X number of candidates from every, every year from the program below it, like in the internal medicine program below it, you have good odds of getting in because they know you uh, as long as you work hard and you present yourself well throughout the three years of internal medicine, you, you could end up with a good fellowship. You, you increase your odds of matching into a fellowship later on down the road. That is one school of thought. And the other school of thought is, is that some fellowships prefer to get new blood, new ideas, new you know pe- um, people who have come from different backgrounds, who have different trainings, different ways of thinking about things. They don't want to recycle more of the same thought process from the internal medicine program. They want completely new people to kind of revolution, keep, keep the ideas fresh in that field. And so they don't take anyone from the internal medicine program. So I think that there definitely are programs that follow that rule. Uh, and there are programs that follow the other rule, <laughs> and there's probably a little bit of a mix in there too. So we we try to go, you know, it's not totally 100% programs that have fellowships, but it's also programs that have good fellowship matching because that also talks about how the internal medicine uh, program is able to take their candidates and go, okay, what are you interested in? Okay, if you want to do primary care, great, we'll put you on a track for primary care. If you want to go to fellowship, well, that's going to require research. That's going to require different different things you got to do along the way. So we'll put you on a track for that. And programs that are very good have a you know, good track record of matching. And that was why I think a few programs in Michigan really caught my eye is that they had like a 100% track history of students who want to match in the fellowship matching into the fellowship. And even though they didn't have the fellowship that I was, you know, particularly interested in, they have a good track record, so that makes it, them very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I guess there's different ways. We're not being very exclusive in one thought process or another. It's just like Karen said, you know, if they have a history of matching people in the fellowships, that was definitely something that was uh, interesting to us and appealing. Yeah. All this is to say there's a lot of ways that you can narrow it down. I 
And then to top it all off, you <laughs> like as as you go through the interview process, it is kind of like a I don't know. I don't I guess I don't know have a good analogy for it, but you're constantly reevaluating and reassessing like yeah. what do you want to do what do you want to put as your your list and how you want to rearrange it because it, it's a, basically a culmination of all those factors and then you have to figure out what's most important. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and then you also I guess you I I talked about this again before where I'm presenting a very um, family, I, I'm definitely presenting that the family is important to me and that uh, they've been a big part of my medical career, you know, being a big part of my success as, in medicine as well as my growth as, a, as an adult. Uh, <laughs> that That's a big part of me. And so that's part of my application. And so I think for you know, liability or not, uh, some programs have looked at that and you know I'm, maybe I've lost opportunities because of that maybe I haven't I don't know um, but I certainly know that there have been programs that have asked me for interviews that I've, I can't imagine and not one of them so far has not talked about family and not talked you know even they maybe they don't ask me about my family I'm not sure if that's an off-limits question or not but they will talk about their own family and their own kind of how that's a priority to them and where, you know, what's that, what's that meant to them? And so I definitely got this feeling that a lot of these program directors that have picked me to be interviewed with them have liked that aspect of my application, which I think that also kind of plays into the, what makes me like these programs a little bit more is that, you know, they, they've sought me out because of this one aspect of my application that they liked and that, you know, there's a little bit of compatibility there, at least, I know going in that they are very supportive of trying to keep families together or trying to support people. Like obviously, uh, I, you know, obviously I know residency is not going to be a walk in the park and there's certainly not going to be a special track for people who have families. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be, Oh, if you're a single, you work the 60 hours, you know, 80 hours a week. And if you have a family, you do the 40 hours. Like that's not going to, that's not how it's going to work. I'm going to work just as hard as anyone else, single or not. I, but it's nice to have people who can probably encourage me to be efficient with my time at work and say, hey, get get to work, be efficient. Here's how you can be better, more efficient so you can get your work done and go home to your family. <laughs> um, so, and then of course, just providing kind of a social support system that, you know, if I am working long hours, I go, okay, well, I know you have a family at home and well, we, your wife doesn't have to be just the mom 100% of the time. That, there's ladies groups or there's other people that she can socialize with so we can connect her in with a, a, a group of people so she doesn't she feels like she not, she's connected to the community and not just out on an island on her own so uh, those are the things i guess we have been looking at and i I would say i've been pleasantly surprised by i think just about every program we've interviewed at yeah yeah we've had a couple that have um offered to if I have any questions that I can reach out and, and yeah, ask. Direct, and, like Karen can directly <laughs> reach which, out to the program coordinator <laughs> and talk to them. Yeah. So which is that's, really nice. That's nice. But I, I know that can also. I mean, it's a double edged sword. Yeah, if you, if I can you be start, judged as well. <laughs> if you start swearing at them through an email, I think. <laughs> I, I don't think I have any, I don't have any worries about that happening. But so that's, um, I guess, uh, uh, 
that's kind of a bit of a tangent on the interview we had on Thursday. But needless to say, I think it went pretty well. I will, uh, I guess, comment on, because this is a podcast about people who have families and <laughs> going through medical school. Obviously, I don't do my interviews at home, uh, much like when I would do tests. Uh, I would not do the test at home, even though if it was an option during COVID, you know, online testing and whatnot. Um, I generally have done my interviews at the student center. Uh, usually that's been vacant. <laughs> and so I've not had any issues. And these interviews have maybe been like two hours long. But I did run into a little bit of an issue. So there's something I, I think I've been thinking about of how to you know, kind of deal with in the future. Uh, there's been a lot of students who have been really nice to offer me a place, to, you know, if I need to do an interview, they, they let me use their house and their Wi-Fi and their place and I can set up and take my do my interview and then leave. And that, those are all very generous offers and I do appreciate those. Um, but I think the school uh, might have an opportunity for me to just use one of their conference rooms. I just had an issue where I was using one of the study rooms and I was trying to be quiet, you know, as quiet as you can, but still be able to talk to your interviewer. But uh, I obviously... Uh, upset somebody else in the adjacent study room and they let me know <laughs> that I had upset them and you know I get it there's a big test coming up there's shelf exams going on so and it is a study you know study room it's not exactly the you know the place you should be having conversations you know it's supposed to be people are studying and be as quiet as possible but again I was it I thought this particular location was usually vacant and <laughs> usually nobody adjacent to me so I I definitely felt bad that I annoyed them, and I also felt a little annoyed that I was being disturbed during my last my last cycle of interviewers. So it was a kind of an all around frustrating situation. But we're trying to I think we're going to try to use this conference room and see if that works out for us. And um, I just hope that uh, there's there's definitely like a lot of stress going on. You're a third year for you know fifth term going to your CBSEs and you're studying hard and maybe you're a third year medical student sitting for and trying to study for your your shelf exam the next day and everything you know every part of medical school seems to be the most stressful part of medical school until you get past it and then the next part is the most <laughs> stressful <laughs> like it's, on to the next test <laughs> yeah I mean like after your shelf exams it's going to be step two and after step two uh, maybe just submitting the ERAs and doing your um, your interviews, and then it's going to be submitting your rank order list, and then waiting for the match. And I mean, granted, there's there's little different degrees of stress there. Like obviously, step two and step one revolve around your preparation and knowledge um, coming into play that day for those eight hours. Whereas making a rank order list is something you do think about for a little bit and you rearrange, but it's definitely not, you know, it doesn't require eight hours of studying, you know, a day for the last two months. Um, and, you know, so anyway, uh, what I, I guess I mean to say by a lot of this is like everyone's stressed. And so, you know, for me to give them a little bit of grace and hopefully them to give me a little bit of grace in the future so that we can we can all get to our goals because at the end of the day like obviously you do you do these shelf exams you do your, your step two you do everything like that because you want to get to a match and so when you get to the interview that's kind of the pinnacle like this is your opportunity to impress the program and if you do not impress the program you do not get 
your rank. You do not you do not get matched at that program, and you you run the risk of not matching, and you run the risk of being another student who doesn't match and goes into soap. And it, it's it's like every student's nightmare. So it's like every but every student's dream is to get that that interview. <laughs> so what I guess I'm trying to say is like stay aware that every student is at any particular time at the most stressful part of their life (laughs) (laughs) um like you know if you're again like i said like you you're you're in fifth term doing the cbses and that's going to be the most stressful time getting that passing score and then you're in sixth term studying for step one that's the most stressful time because you got to get that pass on step one and then you're taking to your family medicine shelf you know from your first rotation that's going to be stressful because like you got to pass it you can't you can't fill us you can't fill a shelf that's ridiculous you don't want to remediate um and then so so forth and like everyone everyone's stressed like i remember back on the island when we did the nbme exams for like you know, we we did. I think it was yeah. fourth term, where we had like three, three three in one week, and it's like pharmacology, pathology, and microbiology, all in one week, and like those were stressful. <laughs> so like, at any given point, everyone's at the most stressful part of their medical career at that moment. So yeah, um, well, at least enough of that. So radiology final was pretty straightforward. It is funny. I do have to kind of keep reiterating to a lot of people. Radiology is not looking at bones. <laughs> at least the radiology course that we did. I mean, you do look at bones. Like, bones are certainly a component of the MRI and CT scan. But what we did for our radiology rotation was a lot more into the soft tissues, the brain, uh, vasculature, uh, those sort of things. So we spent a lot more time looking at um lesions of the brain and whether like dawson's fingers and all sorts of different other things that you know you could point to ms could point to other things you're looking at the assessing a spinal mri and you're not you you certainly are looking for compression fractures of the vertebra and fusions etc and uh, disc protrusions or extrusions and <laughs> so you are looking at a lot of those things but you also look at the spinal cord for um, homogeneities um, and other issues that, that you could see um, anything that kind of pops up as abnormalities um, so the, the final I think went just fine it's not I, I think everyone hears final and they get really stressed out the, this particular preceptor is pretty pretty easy going he'll ask you a question you have a chance to answer it's relatively open book as far as I'm aware of but like he's not He's not going to go for the gut <laughs> jugular. He's not trying to make you fail. You, and again, you only have to get 50% correct. And by four weeks, you got most of that knowledge yeah. down. Yeah, he was pretty He was pretty great. And especially since, like, I think I accidentally started walking in on the final. I didn't know Eric was home. Oh, you were fine. <laughs> I mean. And he's like, oh, it's fine. As long as she brings the baby with her, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just like... Oh, that's very sweet, but I, I didn't I didn't intend to <laughs> um, walk in on on the final bet. Oh yeah, you you were totally fine. It was not a it was not a big deal. So we we got through the radiology no problem. We started our cardiology this week, which um, it is fun to be back in person i guess <laughs> yeah well and it sounds like you have a, a fun preceptor with a very infectious laugh 
Um, uh, but infectious is one word for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's memorable for sure. Um, but um, I don't know. Eric's been talking about how because he had done a one week with um, Doctor Jalad. Yeah, and so he's talking about the differences earlier about. The cardiology that is a plumber and the cardiologist who is an electrician. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a little bit of difference there. Uh, he's currently following the electrician. <laughs> yeah, the electrician. Yeah. So. But it is it is interesting because I, I, I kind of came into this rotation. I did four weeks of radiology. I did my four weeks away rotationing in Kansas City. And uh, I will just say uh, that makes eight weeks of non-internal medicine related <laughs> topics. Um, so I it was eight weeks out of doing anything internal medicine. I, I definitely came in on Monday a little worried that I would know next to nothing. And I would be back to, you know, a third year knowledge of uh, medicine. And I was going to really kind of be dragging my feet and trying to, playing a lot of kids. I'm not saying I'm anywhere exceptional or anything on this rotation. I'm only two days in, but, uh, it was nice to feel like I actually still knew some things. We, uh, we, Monday was really just lab day. He was doing, um, ablations. Uh, and so we were really just kind of wearing lead and staying in the lab while he did his procedures. And every now and then he would ask us a question or show us something. So that was, uh, neat. Uh, and today we were in clinic, uh, so we saw a lot of patients today and got to answer a lot of questions. But the most kind of interesting thing was just looking over ECGs and um, realizing I don't, I haven't forgotten everything about an ECG. <laughs> like there were still some things I knew. I don't know everything, obviously. They got, I still got tripped up by a few, uh, few questions that he kind of pitched to us that I kind of knew were going to be trick questions, but I, and I fell into the trick. But it's like, well, at least I knew what I was looking at, per se. Like, But I just, like, okay, like, he showed us one particular ECG, and I went with it, call, I'm calling it a, a preventricular contraction, uh, so PVC, because it had a, large, a long, uh, sorry, a wide QRS complex. And that was something I, like, okay, wide QRS complex, that means the electrical current originates from the ventricle, and not from the atria. Uh, if it originates from the atria, usually the QRS complex is narrow. So wide, okay, there we go. But I knew he was setting it up in a weird way that it was probably not a PVC. And he was like, it was PVC or a, a PAC, a preatrial contraction. And um, it was obviously a PAC, but I didn't have a good explanation for why I would think that. <laughs> so I went with the PVC, because uh, at least I knew what that was. And I, at least I knew why complex equals originates from ventricle. And then he explained uh, the presence of a P wave that preceded the, P, the, the, the QRS complex that was wide and why that complex could be wide and it still be... Uh, an atrial, a preatrial contraction. So, uh, again, I, I don't know everything, <laughs> but at least I knew what I was looking at and I had some reasoning for why I would think what I was thinking. And so uh, it was, I mean, that wasn't the only ECG we saw today. We saw quite a few of them. 
this guy is definitely uh, this particular preceptor is very smart. Uh, all of them are very smart, but he him in particular is one of those guys that if he took the physics class, he relish the electrical component of the physics class because he is very good at all things electricity circuits and resistors and you know impedance and so those sort of things where i think uh, a lot of that stuff was something that i was not as efficient in in my undergrad so um hence why i get shocked probably why i get shocked all the time whenever i do any like electrical work uh yeah, um, that may not be Eric's strong suit. Yeah, it's not, not, but then this guy's like he does like math off top of his head. He's a very strong. Um, he's got some strong math concepts going for him. So, uh, but it does make it, it, it. He's again like Karen said. He's got a very uh, memorable laugh, is how I would say. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to record it so Karen knows what I'm talking about because it is it is outrageous. It's but it's he's funny. He's such a nice guy. Uh, he's there to teach, uh, and he's he's happy to teach. Um, it does make for he does make for some really interesting lab experiences. Like uh, so, like on Monday, I got to cardio over at my first patient. Um, so they had this patient, you know, hooked up, and he he was there for cardio version. He had AFib, and uh, they gave him something to knock him out. I think it was like visceral or something like that. And once he was knocked out, he was like, okay, press the charge button, press the charge button. I mean, this is all like pretty straightforward stuff, like press charge button, wait for it to charge. And, you know, obviously the computer, um, the, the device synchronized with the, the patient's heartbeat. And so it was obviously going to shock on the QoS complex and not, because I think it's the, it's important for it to shock on the QoS and uh, not to shock on the T wave, because if it shocks on the, the depolarization of the T wave, then it could cause uh, permanent uh, heart stop, <laughs> uh, death possibly. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, the computer does all that, all that for you. You just press the shock button and it, it will deliver the shock when it's appropriate. And so it's always interesting to watch a patient uh, who's unconscious jump out of the, almost, you know, like bounce out of the bed. It is kind of interesting and terrifying. So that was kind of fun to do my first cardio version, uh, quote and unquote, my first cardio version. Um, but then it was, uh, again, leads to interesting times in the lab. Like we were doing one particular patient and uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really privy to exactly what was going on, but I could see from the monitors that they were trying to induce a, an arrhythmia of some kind on the patient. And they, I think they induced arrhythmia that they didn't like <laughs> and I could see that uh, he took the turn and looked at what I think is the anesthesiologist or one of the circulated nurses and he said go ahead and charge that and so you hear the charging sound of what you know what I would say is like an AED or something like that it's obviously like you know, you're going to you're going to shock the patient and I, they say something to the effect of like I would prefer the patient to be sedated at this point or something like that and at that moment, I just look over at the patient and like we make eye contact as he pushes the shock button <laughs> and the patient like, you know, yells out in pain. And we're not there to hurt the patient, obviously, but like the, the heart rhythm was not something that the patient could live with. So had to be shocked. And I don't know, it's just one of those really awkward times where you like, my gosh, we just shocked the patient while he's wide awake. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how how awake he was. I'm sure he was somewhat sedated, but it's definitely a 
memorable well, moment. you were, you, that was where you were running the. Yeah, so they had they had ran a few catheters through like the groin into yeah. the heart, and they were using some of the catheters to induce different uh, signals in different parts of the heart heart to try to isolate where the arrhythmias might be coming from and whatnot. So, yeah, sometimes that I think causes arrhythmias to occur. But uh, I'm not again. I'm not 100 percent unsure how everything was going down. I this was my like my first or second case. I I got to see that day. And I am by no means an expert on what, what we were doing. <laughs> I was barely oriented even half the time. So anyway, um, yeah, so, so far the rotation has been going pretty well. I have two other students that have been with me, a third, another third year, and not another, uh, one third year and another fourth year. And uh, it's been really a lot of fun. I think we had Jiron Mall on the show. If you haven't listened to his interview, I would recommend going back. He's fourth year along with me and he's in the match process as well but it's been fun to have him he's my other fourth year and it's kind of fun to have somebody that i know <laughs> with me on the rotation that you know we can kind of joke around and we know each other in a little bit and at the same time we're all we're doing the match process so we can talk about that a little bit and encourage each other but i'm really kind of looking i mean i've i've talked about before I'm, i have a very special kind of interest in cardiology uh, and so this is kind of one of those rotations I'm really happy to have the opportunity to learn, especially under this particular preceptor. He seems like he's, again, he's very funny, he's very friendly, he's, and he likes to teach a lot. So I'm, I got, you know, obviously um, three more weeks with him, so <laughs> looking forward to it. Hopefully I don't get burned out, and uh, I don't know, well, maybe I'll, maybe he'll change my mind whether I want to be an electrician or a plumber. Who knows? <laughs> Um, so I guess we'll end with this week. We have, so as far as the rotation goes, we are done. Uh, it's only, it's a three day week. We have Thanksgiving and Friday off, uh, as far as the rotation goes. And so I am home, um, but we also have, uh, Karen's, uh, sister and her sister's family in town. They've, I guess they made this, we, we figured it out like last week or the week before that they decided they were going to come up and see us and we, we live seven hours away from each other and we've yeah, never actually we've seen never them in the last two, <laughs> two years. And, um, so I think well, the, the stars that. have aligned and yeah. they are able to come up here. Uh, so we're kind of happy to have them up, but unfortunately I mean, they got here today and obviously I'm on rotation today and tomorrow. So I feel a little bit bad. I won't be able to really visit a whole lot, but, um, they seemed like they had a lot of fun with our kids tonight, and it's it's always nice to have family around, especially for Thanksgiving. So yeah, it'll be our our first time actually making a turkey. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure I understand what the turkey situation is because Karen is a, a, a I don't say, I don't know I don't want to say you hate turkey. I don't hate turkey, but you definitely it's just like ham favorite. so much more. Yes. And so we've always had, like, ham on Thanksgiving whenever we had a chance to host it. And it was our responsibility to make the make the meat. We would do ham. <laughs> and I, mean, I like ham. And ham is great. Uh, and turkey is okay, too, uh, if you don't dry burn it, out. it or dry it out. Um, but you, it, so this is a weird year where Karen has elected to make a turkey. Um, but she is also... Um, rejected my idea for a deep fried turkey. Mm -hmm. uh, I figure we're in the south, 
like I, this is a thing in the south where you deep fry a turkey. I'm sh- I have seen these kits at Home Depot and other places where they have like a aluminum you know pot and with a propane stove underneath of it. And all I gotta do is get like a ton of vegetable oil. I'm sure it's I'm sure I can Google it or YouTube it. And I think I've even seen videos of like a fishing rod being employed like yeah so that if if it explodes (laughs) or catches on fire or whatever then you're out of the out of harm's way this sounds amazing (laughs) and everyone who's ever had a deep fried turkey has said it's amazing oh i'm sure it is amazing but karen is like no we're not doing that we have a seven-year-old a six-year-old a four and a three-year-old we'll do it in the front yard (laughs) as well as (laughs) Uh, newborned for other you kids. You have 24 hours to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can always pick up the stuff on the way home. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask your brother-in-law. Let's see if he's on board with it. No. No? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to save you some time and energy. Like, I'm trying to take ownership of part of Thanksgiving dinner, and this is how I get treated. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll just eat. You'll just eat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, it's my sister's first time making a turkey as well, so we're going to figure this out together. <laughs> oh, has she been a ham person too? No, she's just never... She's always gone somewhere else. Oh, okay. So, I mean, they've always traveled to family or, or had family. I don't know. I'm she's just, never had to. I'm just thinking like Griswold Christmas where like the turkey is like, so dry and people <laughs> are dipping it in water in order to eat it and i'm just imagining what i'm trying to roll i have to play there's um, always pie <laughs> <laughs> like, those we know we can like, make <laughs> how honest do you want me to be <laughs> is it like everything's wonderful honey is the best turkey i've ever had kind of thing regardless of the outcome or i'll, I'll figure it out i'll read the clues <laughs> I, I, i'm definitely known for that Uh, that's debatable but i love you (laughs) anyways we hope that uh you guys all have a great thanksgiving and we will um we don't have any black friday shopping planned so we will no i actually have all of the extended family shopping done i just need to wrap it up and send it out we just need to do our immediate family yeah um yeah, we will. Um, we'll do our typical end of podcast thing. Um, unless you have anything else you want. No. no? Uh, so follow you, us on Instagram. Yeah, Mad Family MD. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not super active on it, but I do check it at least once a day. So if you have any questions or want to hear about a certain topic, please let us know. Um, if it's not a question I can answer, I shoot it to Eric. So we try and get you an answer as soon as possible. Um, and and then, if you want to follow a podcast and if somehow you don't already do it at this point, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, uh, Amazon, Spotify, etc. Uh, we are on all, I think, all the major podcasting platforms, so you can follow us there. I believe a couple of those have rating systems, so if you do want to rate us five stars and extend the reach, uh, we don't get paid for any of this. This is all kind of out of our pocket. Um, so we always like to have more people that get to listen and hopefully benefit people. But, uh, yeah, this has, um, been a lot of fun and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.